Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Happy, happy Wednesday to you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Loretta McNary Live, and we are so excited about today's show, and we will have an extended show because I have two amazing, phenomenal women that will be joining me in the conversation, one at a time, because two at a time would just be overdone because you guys wouldn't take it, be able to take it, and I wouldn't be able to handle it because they are so awesome. But anyway, just so happy that you all have decided to tune in with us and making um, Loretta McNary Live one of the fastest-growing Blog Talk radio shows in America, so we're very happy about that. We get the emails from Blog Talk about all of your listening and passing it on, so we are very, very happy and excited about that. Our first guest today, and I am really, really, feel like I've known her for so long because I've watched her many, many times and years with my mom um, on Days of Our Lives, and that is Miss Gloria Loring. She is our guest today. And let me just give you a little history about her because I'm not, I'm, I know everybody in the world knows her. But just for the sake of um, being apropos when you do a radio show, you have to do these bios. So let me read some of this to you. Gloria um, is the recording artist of the number one hit song, Friends and Lovers, co-composer of television theme songs, Different Strokes, and Facts of Life, an audience favorite from Days of Our Lives, author six books benefiting people living with diabetes, a keynote speaker, one of the few artists to sing two nominated songs at the Academy Awards, and is well known as the mother of theme sensation Robin Thicke. Gloria's new book, Coincidence, is God's way of remaining anonymous, reflections on daytime dramas and divine interventions. It is a memoir with a message. It details how a series of extraordinary coincidences transformed her life. It is published by HCI Incorporated, the original publisher of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. This is a book with its own soundtrack, co-written by Gloria. How many authors get to have a soundtrack to their book? Oh, my goodness, I'm so excited. With these stories and songs, she provides insight into how each of us can use coincidence for our own good and the good of those we love. And there's more of that. I'll have to um, share some of that in our conversation. Everybody, welcome Miss Gloria Loring to the Laura McNary Live Show. Hi, Gloria. Good morning. How are you? I'm so wonderful this morning for so many reasons, and you being one of those. So thank you again <laughs> well, for being my very guest. Sweet. Well, thank you for talking with me. That's so nice. Yeah, and I hope it won't be the last time. And if you're ever near or around Memphis, Tennessee, I hope you'll look me up and we can do a TV interview as well. How about that? That would be great. <laughs> I have some good okay. friends in ten. I have some good friends in Tennessee. One in Bristol. Um, I have uh, some cousins in Memphis. Yeah, so ten- Tennessee is a, is a good place to be. I'm oh, sorry, my doggy's barking there. Oh my goodness, who is that? Tell us who that is. Oh, well, you know, we I love dogs. Actually, I have um, a Tibetan terrier named Dharma the Doggy Lama, and then uh, he's a rescue. And then Odie, remember Garfield had a little dog that he carried around, Garfield the cartoon cat. And I yeah. have little Odie. He's a six and a half pound little sort of poodle thing with the longest legs. And then I have <laughs> Miss, Miss Heidi Precious Girl, who is a Havanese. And um, anybody who comes to the house, she's always pawing on their leg like, pet me, pet me, come on, come on, pet me. You know what you're supposed to do. Very funny, you know so. you want to. You know you want to because I'm cute. You know. I'm you know you do. <laughs> <laughs> so they're my I little companions. It. 
They're my companions oh. here. So. Oh, I love that. I love that. So I really want to get right into our questions that we have. Cause 30, I mean, I have less than 30 minutes with you, so we got to have you come on again, and we can really talk some girl talk to inspire women um, because your life is so amazing and how you are so transparent and sharing it. I would love to have you come back when you have more time. I truly Absolutely. want to get you to Memphis so everybody can come and um, hear you be a female speaker. So I want to get you to Memphis. But anyway, my first question to get this thing started, and I don't like interviews. I really call it conversations because now you're like my friend girl, so we just done a hat and sing out and, and inspire and encourage other people. So your book begins with a coincidence that happened at Days of Our Lives and helped you raise $1 million for diabetes research. Did you ever solve the mystery of how a car titled Expect a Miracle showed up in your dressing room? No, I asked around. Um, I had made a promise to my son after he was diagnosed at four and a half years old that mommy was working. He said, when are my shots going to be over, he asked me. And I I couldn't tell him never. So I just mm-hmm. said, well, I don't know, honey, but we're working on it. And so I felt like that was a promise to him that I needed to be doing something to work on helping his diabetes. And I knew the best way to do that, of course, was through research. And I had joined the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, who is they are the largest supporter of diabetes research in the world, other than the U.S. federal government. And um, so I thought I'm going to watch for an opportunity for me to figure out how to raise some money for diabetes research. And then I was cast on Days of Our Lives. And um, I noticed that the actors would trade recipes. And I thought, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a Days of Our Lives celebrity cookbook. Well, now fast (laughs) forward almost a year later, I had everything ready to go. People had come out of the woodwork to help. We had the graphics design team from Architectural Digest. We had volunteers willing to ship the books, and we were going to so-called sell the books for a $10 donation to Diabetes Research, and we send you a book as a thank you. And everything was ready, but I didn't have the money to print the book, and I needed $40,000. And 24 hours after that card mysteriously showed up in my dressing room, and I tell the whole story, it's chapter one of my book, I met a man who I had met years before. I met him in Houston at the Jack Benny Memorial Tennis Classic. I had played tennis that day, and that night he came up to me, and he said, Gloria, it's Ben Rogers from Beaumont, Texas, and we start talking, and a little voice inside my head says, tell him about the cookbook. Tell him about the cookbook. <laughs> and, and so I told him about the cookbook, and I, and I said, gulp. Um, the only thing is, he said, that sounds like a great idea. And I said, yeah, but I don't have the money to print the book. And he said, well, how much do you need? And I said, well, um, $40,000. And he said, well, hell. He said, I'll give you 10 Come on, let's go out and lobby. i got some friends here tonight, and this is Texas. And by the end of the night, I had almost half the money I needed to print the book. And it was like after a year of trying to find money, to do presentations, trying to find sponsors, after one year of trying, within four weeks, I had the money I needed. We printed the first 50,000 books. We printed the second 50,000. Two years later, we did volume two of the Days of Our Lives Celebrity Cookbook. <laughs> and those books raised a million dollars for diabetes research. Now, what was fascinating to me is I had no uh, framework within which to hold the, the idea that this card showed up in my dressing room 24 hours before I met this man. But I was telling the story to somebody like you, an interviewer, 
And I said to this fellow, isn't that an amazing coincidence that the card showed up and the money came in the next day? And he said, yes, but you know coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. And I said, oh, wait a minute, wait, 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 tell me that again. I've got to write that down. Well, yes, he said, wait a minute, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Now, what? Hmm. So I kind of tucked that away, but I liked it. And I felt smart when I said it. So I started to use it as sort of a tag on my story about raising a million dollars. And and it stayed with me. And I started to think about it more and more. And over those next years, I started to notice a series of extraordinary coincidences that I detail in the book, um, how I found my hit record, Friends and Lovers. That came to me the day after I daydreamed the only way I might have a hit record now that they, everybody thought I was a soap opera actor. Um, here I am in the middle of a secret separation from my husband. He was the only person I told I wanted a separation. And a woman in Nebraska starts sending me letters that she says she's getting messages for me when she sits down for her prayer time. Mm. And the letters are filled with so much comfort and so much encouragement and so much love that every time I, I opened up one of her letters, I just started crying, crying with relief and gratitude. So now these letters, and then these things started to unfold. And at one point, and this is over 12 years ago, I thought to myself, these are extraordinary stories about coincidence. And so I wrote down just the stories. But then I realized that I needed to understand how coincidence, a tangible thing, comes into our lives from the connection from the supreme intelligence and connectivity of this world, that which created us. And many of us have different words and different ideas about that. And, you know, it, that's all great. That's all great. The point is it exists. Our connection exactly. to what we need to know and what we need to grow exists. So I started to look at how science tells us we are connected and how the spiritual masters have told us we are connected. And so that's what informs this book and what it can do when we look at it from both sides. Because I actually came across a quote that my friend Daniel Brinkley, Daniel wrote the book Saved by the Light. Daniel is a good old boy from North Carolina who was hit by lightning, was dead for something like 38 minutes, and while he was there, he went over to the other side and he saw angels and he saw all this stuff and he spent his life talking about what he saw and what he experienced and what he learned. And uh-huh. he's very much a believer in that there is so much more. He know not just a believer, he knows there is so much more than we can and then we can access with just our five senses. And he said that that he thought that my book is a way to reinforce our faith in the divine. I'm quoting now. He said, it's a connection, coincidence is a connection to the divine because when we can see tangible evidence of the divine in our daily lives, it can transform our faith in a belief system grounded in experience. Ooh. Because we, wow, all, that's, want, that's we all want to have faith. But right. once we start to actually track these small and large ways that the coinciding of meaningful events provided by the supreme intelligence and love of this universe comes into our lives. It's just, I, I call it looking for the good. 
I mean, imagine that every day you get up and you go, oh, I'm going to go on an adventure today looking for the good. And it might just be looking for the perfect parking place. It might be that you, you know, you've had a, a difficulty arise in your life. Um, you need to find a new job. You need to, uh, a friend is sick. Uh, you know, we start to look for the good instead of assuming the bad. And for some right. of us, especially those of us who've had difficult childhoods, uh, which which I did in some ways. Um, my father was an I alcoholic. was reading about, let, let's slow down for a minute there, because I was reading about your childhood, and it almost caused me to really just break down in tears, because I, knowing what, and see, that's the thing, when people don't understand, when you get the glamorous life, or you, you have this stuff, and they, they only see that part, but, you know, we very rarely get to see um, somebody's past and see how painful it was, and then yet there are these incredible beings. So I wanted to um, share just a little of it that that you talk about in your book. So it's not like I'm, I'm revealing a secret, but when they were talking about coincidence, it's God's way of remaining. telling us extraordinary coincidences. Oh, Loretta, I'm losing you. Your your uh, the the signal is breaking up. Miss Loretta. Loretta, I've lost you, sweetheart. Dear girl, I've lost your signal. I have lost your signal. Wait a minute. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try calling you back. Hello. Oh, hello. I'm so sorry. I hope you kept talking. <laughs> I was disconnected. Technology works when it works, and when it doesn't, it just throws everything off. So that you keep talking oh, to the dear. audience for me. I know. I just suddenly your voice started to break up, and I was losing little bits of it, and then all of a sudden you just weren't there at all. Oh my goodness! And you know what? That's another lesson about life and God, which you all call the supreme being. Some people do, but I call him God. That's how it is. Sometimes you think you just think he drifts away, but actually he's right there. So here I am. I'm here. <laughs> I love that. And that was no comparison of me and God by no stretch of the imagination. Because everybody knows how how I mean I am sometimes. But anyway, just to have the kind of start that you had, Gloria, and to see where you are now, and then to do something so transparent and so um, amazing to do the the cookbook, and then with doing it, that means you have to share your own personal story. So the glory that we knew on TV, and then because you also had that number one song, we never knew all of this stuff. So I applaud you for being transparent because, you know, you just don't see very many people that are willing to do that. Well, I I think there's something very well. I, I don't think I know there is something very powerful about telling the truth, and I do. There is one chapter in which I tell the truth about um, a highly inappropriate sexualized experience uh, with my father um, that happened when he was very drunk, and and its impact on me. And you know, there are so many of us who, one way or another, have experienced some kind of trauma in childhood. It it might be inappropriate sexualized 
sexualized stuff, or it might be um, just the death of someone, or and and the the these traumas stay with us, and if we didn't have anyone around us who knew what the impact could be, we go forward in our lives with this very traumatic information about life in our bodies. And sometimes we don't feel safe. Sometimes we gather ideas about life that we deserve to be treated badly or we deserve to be neglected or we deserve to be verbally abused. And then we start to see, if if we if we watch, we can start to see certain behaviors in ourselves. And we may wonder, why am I doing this? And coincidence will help us see what we're doing because you can't correct something you don't know about. You know, you have to become conscious of something. So coincidence, there are two kinds of coincidence. One is a mirror or reflection coincidence. And that reflects back to us some issue that has importance to us in some way, a psychological way, a spiritual way, an emotional way. Um, I have a friend who at one point realized that she had this whole string of what she called lousy boyfriends. And she finally sought out some professional help, and the therapist asked her a really good question. And she said, what is it that all your lousy boyfriends have in common? And my friend thought for a minute, and then she said, oh, me. (laughs) And she realized, yes, you see, she started to realize that she was noticing people who would betray her, disappoint her, frustrated her. Well, when she looked back at her life, when was the first relationship in her life a frustrating, betraying, disappointing experience? That would be her relationship with her parents who were who were alcoholics, who weren't there when she needed them, who who did things like um, she was going to be in the Junior Olympics as, as a, a rider. She had this beautiful horse. She came home one day, they sold her horse because they wanted money to pay their bills for their drinking. She, you oh, see? Wow. So these, yeah, yeah, that's pretty traumatic. And what can you do? They're your parents, you know, and they can do anything they want. And you just have to kind of, you know, gulp and go on, but it leaves an imprint so we can start to see where things are working and where things are not working in our lives by coincidence, because coincidence will bring into our lives a mirror image of what is going on with us. The other thing coincidence will provide, there are two basic kinds, is a guidance or directional coincidence, and that's the kind of thing where you're you're struggling with an issue, and a friend calls out of the blue and says just the perfect thing that you needed to hear, or a song comes on the radio, or you're at a bookstore, or you pick up a book, or you pick up the newspaper, and there's an article talking about someone who did such and such for such and such reason, you go, wow, you know, that's kind of like what I'm going through. Because what we need to know and what we need to grow to the next level is all around us. All mm-hmm. we have to do is come to consciousness and start to see what are we attracting and what are we running from. I had a friend who, I had two friends actually, both of them wound up having breast cancer. One of them 
every time she went and had a mammogram, doctor said, you're all clear, everything is great, but every time she turned on the television, it seemed like there was something about breast cancer, this, or, you know, a walk cancer, and every time she would see that commercial or somebody being interviewed, there would be something in her that would kind of vibrate like, you know, like a little, a little electrical charge. And she thought, you know what, something's not right here. Something's not right. She went back to her doctor and he said, no, no, you're all clear. And she said, no, we need to check this again. I, just, I, I feel like there are too many messages coming to me. And sure enough, she did have a very beginning for breast cancer. They had missed it on the mammogram. And it was wow. only because she trusted the coincidences that were coming into her life and how they impacted her. You see, a coincidence is a meaningful coinciding of events. So if it's meaningful to you, it may have a message for you. It may have a mirror reflection of something you need to know about. Now, my my other friend who got breast cancer, every time she turned on the television and she saw anything about breast cancer, she would immediately turn the television off. She didn't want to know about it. She, it, it scared her. She didn't, what turned out, she had breast cancer. She did not want to know about it. But she finally, the evidence kept appearing and kept appearing, and her fear got to be so big that, so we, you see, by watching what we're attracting and by watching uh-huh. what we're running from, there may be a message there for us. And coincidence does this because coincidence is from, is coming to us from our supreme connection to the intelligence of the universe, that mysterious, immense goodness and and connectivity that exists for us that many of us call God. Right. Oh, I just love this. And your book, I want people to really get that book because um, I think they're going to um, send me one, but I've read so much about it. And there was another question I wanted to ask you, um, and you kind of touched on all the questions that I wanted to ask you. But I wanted you to kind of, we have about six minutes left in the in the show, um, your interview. So the coincidence of how you found your number one hit song, Friends and Lovers, sounds like a story from The Secret. So have people carrying your book to The Secret? Um, you know, this whole idea that we attract what we think about, that we attract what we think we deserve, we attract what we visualize, is definitely part of it. And The Secret goes goes just so deep. My book goes even deeper in that we also attract the silent, quiet messages that we have absorbed that exist in our subconscious. And those are also active in attracting things. Now, with Friends and Lovers, my hit song, you know, what would you do if I told you I've always wanted to hold you? So, you know, such a beautiful song. I was I was commiserating with my best friend um, who was associate producer on Days of Our Lives. I was on Days at the time. But now that I was known as a soap opera actress, I would never get a hit record because no, no record company was going to sign somebody they thought was just a soap opera actress. Even though I spent all those years singing and doing Vegas and recording albums, And she said a great thing. She said, well, how could it happen? Now, again, we we tend to attract what we put out into the universe because it will mirror back to us. And I started to put out these ideas. Well, if I found a great song, and maybe it's 
my character started singing it on the show, and maybe if the fans liked it. And I kind of daydreamed the possibility the very next day she brought me a song that had been sent into the show that the other producers had been talking about. She hadn't even heard the song. But because <laughs> I had talked to her about how it might happen, that night when she went to dinner with the other producers and they're talking about, you know, it's a pretty good song that was sent into the show. And the next day she brought me Friends and Lovers. And it was quite a journey. We actually renamed the song Friends and Lawyers. But <laughs> there you go. Um, but the, the great thing is that, that here I had another example of the reflection, which the secret talks about that we tend to attract what we mirror, what mirrors out into the universe back to us. If we believe that it's just our luck that everything's going to turn bad, sour, that's what we're going to look for and that's what we're going to find. And if we start to believe that there is a conspiracy in the universe on our behalf, then we have, we're going to live, first of all, a happier life, a more expansive life, a more open-hearted life. We're going to be looking for the good. And life is just better. And that's what people who have a deep devotion to their faith, if they have a faith path, um, whether it's Judaism or, or Islam or, or Christianity, one of the many, many thousands of forms of Christianity and understanding, when we, when we have faith, we know that there is goodness and that there is a bigger picture um, and coincidence starts to give us the evidence. I call it EBL, evidence-based living. Coincidence gives us the evidence that 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 divinity, that supreme intelligence and love and perfection is just right there waiting to be of assistance to us. But we have to play our part. We have right. to be a part. And, and, and I love that you're saying that. And, uh, of course, like I said, even in even in your what I was reading about you, you call you you refer to God, and I really really love that because I believe God God is it for me, and and you know in Christianity we all serve God, and like you said, some people refer to Him as something else, but we all know that there is one only one God for me, and so when you're talking about coincidence, it also sounds like what a lot of us in Christianity call you know being directed by the Holy Spirit, which lives in us, which is our subconscious, our super super subconscious at its best when we listen to it. So even with coincidences, and um, I like how you said you were afraid because you used the word God in your book about you know getting it published and how you're gonna how that happens. But you're I just want people to really understand this because you were asked the question, did it work for unbelievers too? And I love your answer when you said that. Can you tell us? Um, the answer to that, will this coincidence or are there coincidences for unbelievers too? Um, can a God-directed coincidence happen even to people who don't believe? We only have like two more minutes. I knew this was going to go fast. You well, you see, you see, because that supreme intelligence, that love, is like gravity. You don't have to have a word for it for it to be working in the world. And mm. it's just, it's there. Before we had a word for gravity, it was there, wasn't it? So people don't have to believe in in a supreme beingness, uh, bliss, consciousness, um, intelligence. They don't have to believe in it for it to be working in their lives. And I wanted to give both those people of faith and people who have not yet found their faith, um, the one that is right for them, I wanted to give them a way 
to start to absorb and accept this idea because, you know, the, the phrase, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous, is a quote by Albert Einstein, one of our yes. greatest scientists. And Albert also said, the more I study science, the more I believe in God. Mm, love that. And that's a great way to, you got to come back. We got to stay connected because I want you to come back and I want us to devote some more time and take some calls. I didn't have time to take calls because we were so deep in, into what we were talking about. But I really thank you, Gloria, so much for being on Loretta McNary Live. You have an amazing story. We could talk every day and not get to every point of what, what I wanted to talk about because it's so deep, especially when you start talking about spirituality and having faith and, you know, things that, how we attract, you know, our worst things to us and our good things, too, by visualization and what we think and what happens to us. We can go on and on um, to talk about that. But one thing for sure, I love the book, and I love how um, you even talked about Paul John, what he calls the connecting principle and intuition and all that good stuff. So we got to learn how to tap into all of that if we want to live better lives and, and live in better lives. We ultimately help other people to do that. So, Gloria, you're an awesome yes. Of that. Ab- so, absolutely. Um, I you. So I just want to let people know that my website is GloriaLoring.com. There is a button on the home page where people can go and uh, order directly from Amazon or Barnes and Noble and order the book. And also the CD that is the companion to the book is called Turn the Page, and that's on iTunes and on my website in the store. So, and I would love to talk again, Loretta. It sounds like we have an awful lot in common that we. We share in our viewpoint about these things. Oh, yeah. I have a book, too, called Faith for the Next Step. So there are a lot of similarities, and it's a self-help, but yet it's my spiritual memoir, too. So uh, we're going to help some people. We're going to be good servants of God's gifts to us. And um, I even see us doing, like, a women's conference. And I have LaDonna Gatlin. She's coming on after you. So I know this show is going to keep going on and on. Isn't she awesome? I'm going to see if I can get her in on a second so she can say hi to you. (laughs) <laughs> I just love this. Hey, LaDonna. Hey, how are you? We're great. I wanted you to say hi to Gloria. She has to leave. She only had 30 minutes, so she has to run. She can't continue our girl talk today, but she's going to come back. Hi, LaDonna. <laughs> Hello, Gloria. It's been wonderful. I've been here at my computer just listening to you. <laughs> oh, well, awesome. I, I know you have so much to add on this subject of 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 how the supreme power of this of this world, our creator, our love, uh, comes into our lives. I know you're you're a person of deep faith. Well, no question. Without God in my life, where would any of us be? But I've enjoyed listening to you, and I wish you all the best. And and congratulations on this new book. I'll I'll go on your website and read it. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you, Loretta. And we'll keep in touch, and we'll talk another time. Okay, thanks, Gloria. Have a wonderful day. All right, you two girls have fun together. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, everybody, for those who just tuned in, you are listening to Loretta McNary Live, and we just finished our conversation with the fabulous Gloria Loring. And let me tell you, it just keeps on getting greater and greater and greater because my next guest coming up is Miss LaDonna Gatlin, and she became a writer uh, she was part of the Gatlin Quartet, touring with her brothers Larry, Stephen, and Rudy, making a different kind of harmony. LaDonna's latest book, The Song in You, Finding Your Voice, Redefining Your Life, tells why she chose family over fame and how she now own life experiences to inspire others to redefine their lives. Please help me welcome to Loretta McNary Live, Ms. LaDonna Gatlin. 
Hey, Loretta, how are you today? I'm so awesome. I mean, how, I mean, my day is just, this is one of my best days. I love this. We can talk <laughs> woman to woman to help inspire other women. And then, too, um, that, you know, God is able to, to take you from place to place and love on you in spite of anything else that's going on. So I really yeah. um, love that I get to do the show and talk to amazing, phenomenal women like you. Well, the feeling is mutual. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your show and to just to share my insights. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, wow. I can't wait because I really love how you say you left fame for family. You have to make that choice. I don't know you fame, family over fame, and I don't know if many people could to, could just walk away like you did. And so um, that is so amazing to me, really how you really, you were raising your children, putting family first, overcoming adversity, and ultimately helping to inspire countless others to discover their own song. So I have some music of yours, too, that I want to play within our show, but uh, I really just want to get to know you and, and hear about some of your obstacles, and, uh, and definitely uh, we always hear about the successes, and um, so we can inspire people to uncover their own potential purpose and passion, as you do so awesomely in your books. Well, thank you. Thank you. So how does it feel? I mean, you're the sister of the legendary Gavin Brothers and a National Speaker Association Hall of Famer. And I went to your website, and, it, and as soon as you click on Madonna, all your energy just comes all over a person. And I just love that you can tell your true energy and your vibe is because it's reflected in everything that has your picture and your name on it. It comes through as well. So, um I want people to go to your website, too, because it's LaDonnaGatlin.com, and you can see all this amazing stuff that I'm talking about and uh, music and books and all that good stuff. But tell us, just start from the beginning. You you grew up in a family of um, legendary people, and you're legendary, too. As a little girl and having brothers like Larry and Steve and all of them, how did that make you feel? Adult, I look back on it as just God's divine providence. I mean, I had nothing to say about the family into which I was born. And I say this <laughs> on my website, you know, under the Meet LaDonna, you know, menu button, you can press on and find out a little bit more about me. But, you know, I, I just I start out by saying, hey, I was born into a entertainers. I'm the baby of the family. I'm the only girl. My mother had all four of us siblings in the span of only six years, you know, three boys and then myself. And the time I was, you know, five minutes old or 30 minutes old or whatever, within a very my dad had a pink ribbon in my hair because he was so proud to finally family. And I have to give credit to whom credit is due. Number one, to God, my Heavenly Father, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And two, to my mom and dad, raised me in a wonderful Christian home, taught me the things of the Bible and the the principles uh, by which I still live to this day. And thirdly, uh, to my brothers, whom I had the awesome privilege of looking up to all my life. They were fabulous role models. Did they do everything right? Well, of course not. They're big brothers. (laughs) Does your big brother do everything right? No. No. But I had, I don't know if you have a big brother, but but I had. I do, I have one. 
<laughs> well, I, you know, when people come up to me after they hear me sing and they, and they just say, oh, my goodness, LaDonna, we just love hearing you sing. And I just look at these folks and I say, you know what? I had three very good teachers, Larry, Steve, and Rudy Gatlin. And at that point, you're learning from the best. And the other side of that is when you're born into this family, by George, you better be able to sing or you don't get to stay. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like saying or shut up and get out of here. You know, no, it wasn't like that. But it was it was a wonderful way uh, to grow up and I really I really have to credit, you know, both my both my parents, particularly my mom, who had a the strongest musical influence uh in our family. Her father, my maternal grandfather, uh, loved music and took my mother to um uh, to what they called uh, all day all day singings and dinner on the ground. Are you familiar with that with that phrase at all? <laughs> is that this what was, churches do, or is that that's what churches do? did? Absolutely, yeah. it, was on, it was Sunday <laughs> afternoon singings, and of course, my my uh, grandfather would take my an ear for music, and uh, he would take her along with him, and they would drive, I don't know, back then, this is, oh my goodness, my mother is 84 years old, so she was a little girl at the time, we're talking, you know, 75 years ago, and they would drive to the nearest town that was going to have one of these all-day singings and dinner on the ground, and basically, they sang all afternoon, and they brought their own box lunch or picnic lunch. And they just sang and had a picnic and sang and you know it was and my mom my mom really credits with n- nurturing her love for me and certainly I credit my mother uh, with nurturing our love of music because had it not been been for mom not a one of us Gatlins would be doing what we're doing today so mm. credit the wow. who credit <laughs> and it was really. Story. The wonderful thing, Loretta, is my parents live right across the street from from my husband and myself, and uh, we, we live we live in what they call in those premier adult active communities. That that's code for you got to be old to live here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it means you have to be you know you got to be fifty or older to live here. But I, I tell and I even say this in some of my speeches. I say. Uh, the reason that I moved, that Tim and I chose to move here, was because of two sentences in the contract that said, "This is an age-restricted community. Your adult children may never come home and live with you again." <laughs> <laughs> so we are here, and it's been—it's just been our great privilege to put my parents uh, across the street from us. They are now 84, 85 years old, respectively. My mom and dad, and you know. Their their health is waning somewhat, but what what a privilege to have my parents across the street and, uh, and to be able to to share these years of our life and, and to give back some a little bit to to them uh, for the years of of incredible nurturing that they gave they gave to me and of course to my brothers and and we're such an integral part of our musical. 
Oh, my goodness. I'm just sitting here smiling because I just love, I mean, you're so visual with what you're saying. You're, like I said before, your energy. But I'm looking at this picture of the Gatling Quartet in 1960. And you were just a little girl. You're so cute. And I'm like, I don't know oh. if I'll be brave enough to post my pictures from, you know, when I was a little girl like this. And I see the, the Gatling Trio. And um, so it leads me to the question that um, you actually um, left the group the same year that Larry received the Grammy Award for Country Song of the Year, Broken Lady. Um, so how was that difficult for you to tell your brothers, look, i got to do this? I'm sure they understood because was, you guys are so close in family, but professionally, how did they feel? Well, it was, it was the toughest things I've ever done in my life. It was tough personally. It was tough professionally. It was just tough, period. And uh, But here's the thing, Loretta. I grew up singing with my brothers. And I just assumed, as they did, that my dream was to sing with them for the rest of my life. Well, that dream changed when I got married in the middle 1970s. And I began to realize, you know what? It's more important to me to make my first priority my husband, my family, and, and my new family, which, you know, was just at, the, at that time my husband, Tim Johnson, and myself. And we were only 20 years old. And, I mean, we could have stayed with the group because my husband was a keyboard player, you know, and he was playing for the group. You know, it, it was a, just this whole big family thing. But it, there was just, you know, that still small voice that only God can whisper and the, the Holy Spirit can whisper into your your spirit that says, I have something different for you. I have a different path for you. And, and I just use you know, the metaphor that we had a, God had a different for us to sing. And, yes, when Tim and I had to face those three brothers, those three Gatlin boys, and say, hey, guys, we got a different song to sing. Well, they weren't real crazy about that because they thought my song should have been, she's a broken lady, you know. And <laughs> I will tell you, you know, when they won the Grammy Award, and, of course, the Grammys are held the year after, you know, uh, and we, we left the group in 1976, and then the Grammy, Larry actually received the Grammy in 1977 for the song, which had been released in 1976. And and when I, I saw that, you know, and I knew that he got the Grammy, and, I, you know, I was a part of that whole record, but I wasn't there. I wasn't at the Grammys. I didn't get to experience all that. But And, and I'm a human being, so seeing all of that, of course, it made an impact on me. And there was a little bit of, I never questioned, oh, did we did, did we do the right thing? Did we make the right choice? There was just this little gnawing of humanity within me as there is as there is with anyone, uh, the flesh versus the spirit, if you will. And like, oh, gee, I could have been at the Grammys tonight, and where am I? You know, I'm sitting at home. But, but I, I stayed at home. We have two beautiful children, five grandchildren with another grandchild on the way, and I had the awesome privilege of staying home, being a full-time stay-at-home mom for almost 20 years until then I went, I embarked upon my, my professional speaking and singing career and took that back up. So I have had the awesome privilege, I feel like, of, of almost doing it all, albeit, you know, it's been in different different seasons of my life as the sure. you know the great writer of Ecclesiastes says there's a time and a season for everything under the sun. And uh, 
so my life has had different seasons, and uh, now I'm in the season of being a, a grandparent and all that fun stuff, fun stuff that goes along with that, as well as a speaker who's on the road almost 100 days a year. In fact, I'm going to leave here this afternoon about 3 o'clock and, and head out to Arkansas and Oklahoma and, and do a couple of events and then be back over the weekend. I have a few events here in the Dallas area before the Christmas holiday. But, uh, you know, I am I just feel extremely blessed that God and his divine providence allowed me to be born into this family of people who nurtured me, trained me, taught me how to sing, uh, encouraged me, and made me helped make me the woman that I am today. And also, huge credit to my husband, Tim Johnson. We will celebrate 38 years of marriage next month, and he is my Congratulations! Absolute, thank you. <laughs> he is my all-time best friend in the universe. I would rather be with him than anybody else I know, and I'm, I'm just oh, a very, very blessed woman. Oh, for you to say that with such passion after 37 years. That oh, my goodness. What can I say? What can I say? He is, this man is a two-time cancer survivor. Uh, he, I mean, he's just an amazing man, amazing uh, keyboard player, amazing musician. All of my, all of my CDs, he produces, he writes all the, all the charts, he plays all the keyboards, and you know, hires all the musicians and writes all the arrangements and all that. I mean, and uh, plus, plus, he's a good kisser. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at him; he's quite easy on the eye, I might say. <laughs> think so but then you know i don't have exactly an objective opinion but he is my he he's my best friend he's my biggest supporter he's my biggest fan he's my most honest critic but he's also the criticism that if tim ever gives me any it's always constructive and it's always oh Donna, you're too hard on yourself you know that performance that you did was great maybe you heard a wrong note or maybe you think you said a wrong word but honey, it was great. I mean, he's he's just amazing, and I'm I'm just blessed in in all areas, and I'm I'm so grateful to God for that. I'm a very blessed human being. Oh, I just well, I want to um, slow in just for a minute and and uh, play some of this seventies um, melody that you sent to me. Just some of it because I really wanted to hear more about your story because I want to know how you went from being a, a just a fabulous music performer, which you, I mean, with the Gatlin brothers, and then you did your own musical career, and then you, and then how did you transition from music into becoming a phenomenal um, speaker and getting inducted into the Hall of Fame and being one of only, the only woman in 2005, and I want to talk about that, too, so we're going to, I want to play some of this music, um, because I just love to hear you, hear you sing and your voice, and I want people to, to know this and hear this, and then we're going to talk about your transition into becoming one of the Hall of Famer, um, speakers, okay? You bet. So everybody that's listening and those who will listen later to the archive show, here for your listening pleasure is LaDonna Gatlin performing some songs from the 70s, Melodies, and we'll talk about um, some of those songs in her book um, in just a moment. So we'll be right back. But listen to this song. There is wonder in most everything I 
I graduated high school in 1972, and during my uh, keynote presentation, speech speeches, I also sing, because, you know, when your last name is Gatlin, people kind of expect you to sing, <laughs> and uh, so when I when I talk about time, time being a very valuable uh, principle and a very val- valuable thing in our life, and we have to use it wisely, I talk about going back to my high school reunions and my high school days, and, and that, uh, you know, I, I sing those songs, and people always come up to me afterwards, and they go, oh, I'm so glad that you sang those songs from, what? years ago, uh, you know, and it always gives a real, you know, there's nothing like music to really make a point for for me. So, you know, singing the song sometimes makes a better point than I could make it by by speaking. <laughs> and they just, they say, you know, it just took me back to a place and a time and some memories and, you know, made me realize that, wow, really 40 years have gone by since that was a hit, you know. And the first song at the top of the world that was Karen Carpenter, the second one is People, of course, Barbara Streisand. And then the medley goes on. Some of the other uh, artists in the 1990s really had an influence on my life and, you know, the music that I listen to. So, so that's, you know, giving you a little bit of context as to why I even have that medley in there, that 70s medley. But it's, it's great fun. Some people call it old people music, but I'm telling you, I like it because you can understand every single word. So I'm going to keep you singing. <laughs> <laughs> I like it too. I could hear you say every word. I knew what every word meant, and it's just all flow. It's so beautiful, and the, the melody just backs up with your voice so awesomely that you don't have to waste time trying to figure out, what did she say? What did she say? <laughs> what did you say? You know, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate so that. So now let's really. talk about, you You already mentioned um, being a speaker and how you, you use music. And, of course, I'm sure um, everybody's can you sing, can you sing, can you sing? <laughs> well, you sing everywhere you go. But how how did you make that transition to becoming a speaker? I guess, was it, I don't know, I'm not even going to guess. You tell us how you made the transition to become a speaker. Well, thank you for asking that question. Again, just a wonderful divine providence of God that he put people in my path uh, to show me the way. A speaker friend of mine, I happened to meet, he wasn't a friend at the time, he became a friend, but I just happened to uh, be in the right place at the right time to meet a gentleman by the name of Andy Hickman, who is a wonderful motivational speaker and actually uses magic as part of his uh, you know, presentation where I use the music and spoken word. He uses magic in the spoken word. And he happened to see me uh, do a concert at his church in a tiny little town out in East Texas. And several months later, we were thrown together, or, or not thrown together, that's a <laughs> phrase, choice of words, that we were put together to uh, do a program for the local school district on, uh, you know, say no to drugs, the, what we call Red Ribbon Week, where they really give an emphasis on anti, an anti-drug campaign. 
And we were put together into this committee of people to work together toward this. And when I went to the first committee meeting, I went to introduce myself to him. And Andy said, oh, I know who you are. And I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have we ever met? I, I don't think I know you. And he said, oh, I know you. And I said, well, how do you know me? And he said, well, you were, you know, you did a concert at our church several months ago, and I heard what you did. And basically, he said, would you like to take what you do even outside the church walls? And that really intrigued me because I thought, oh, I would love to take this message of, you know, God has given me a different song to sing and take that out in, into the secular marketplace, if you will. Mm-hmm. And he really, quite literally, showed me the ropes, uh, introduced me to speakers' bureaus whom I begin to send my stuff to. They begin to book me, and I begin to do after-dinner talks. You know, I was the after-dinner mm. after dinner entertainer. At, we're at associations that would have a convention, and they wanted, you know, good, clean, wholesome entertainment after their, yeah. after their you know, awards banquet or whatever. And that just, from there, it just, you know, begin to snowball, and here I am almost two decades later, and I don't even know. I mean, I'd I'd have to go to – it would take me a couple of days to go to my website and count up all the presentations that I've done, and they're not even all listed (laughs) on on the website because I don't – I'm supposed to send all those to my webmaster every month. Okay, I was here, here, and here, and I'm, you know, a few months behind. (laughs) But, you know, I've averaged – I would say over the last almost 20 years, I've averaged at least – 50 to 60, if not 70 performances per year, which then puts you on the road about, you know, twice that, about 140 days a year. Like today is a travel day for me because I have a a presentation in Arkansas tomorrow. Uh, So I have just, my husband still can't believe it. He just just scratches his head and looks (laughs) up at the Lord and says, my goodness, my wife gets paid to talk. You know, how about that? Because my husband would pay me to shut up. <laughs> so, you know, there. but there again, um, Loretta, it's, I believe it's God's divine providence in my life. He has put people, he put me in the right family. Then he put me, put people in my pathway who saw my abilities and helped, you know, expand expand my uh, uh you know my my influence into other areas even out and i i certainly still do church events many church events but you know he uh, andy uh, literally helped me just expand my vision and expand my reach uh, beyond that and it's just been a remarkable a remarkable career and i look back and just see god's hand in everything where he just used people along the way to nurture me and encourage me and help me reach my potential. And and I talk about that in the book of, you know, that do the the, the primary premise of, of my life is to do the right thing. And uh, the, the book is called The Song in You, Finding Your Voice, Redefining Your Life. And that when in the middle 1970s I really found my voice, which was, uh, that God had a different song for me to sing, then it did redefine my life once uh, Tim and I made the decision to make the departure from country music and the whole Nashville country music scene and my brothers and all that. It completely redefined my life. It, it was a decision that completely changed my life. And how true that is for, for each and every one of us in our daily walk, our decisions define our lives. 
and those decisions are so incredibly important. And to do the right thing and make the right choice is the foundation of, of then where we go from there. I love it. And I, I, I was reading about how you use the scale to uh, within your book, the Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do. And can you tell us what each of those means? Yes, absolutely. I don't know about you, but I kind of I'm one of these I'm one of these uh, learners that kind of needs a crutch or or an acronym or whatever you want to call too, it yeah. <laughs> to help me remember things. And it, it became it just as I was you know get, begin to kind of write this speech and the speech or the talk that I wanted to give uh, began to develop. It just kind of was like, oh, this is this is a perfect analogy because it's a musical analogy and uh, you know one day back in the middle 60s my mom took me to see the sound of music and it, to this day it's one of my all-time favorite shows and of course Julie Andrews portrayed Maria Von Trapp and what did she do she taught the those seven kids how to sing using the the solfege or what we are more commonly known as do re mi fa sol la ti do and do mm-hmm. is spelled d-o well that becomes do do the right thing that's our first principle and second principle, re, spelled R-E, becomes the first two letters of realize your potential by helping others realize theirs. Me, M-I, principle number three. We're going to put an N and a D with that. Mind your manners. Principle number four, fa, F-A, the first two letters of failures can become fertilizer. Principle number five, soul, S-O-L, solutions begin with me. Six, la. L, L-A, laugh, T, T-I, put an M and the E with that, and it becomes time. And then guess what? Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. You end up where you begin. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. We end right where we began by doing the right thing. And it just kind of ties all of it up into a nice little package. And those principles right there, if we can apply those principles, it will help us through anything that life can throw at us to do the right thing, to realize our potential by helping others realize theirs, to mind our to turn our failures into fertilizers, to realize that solutions begin with me, to laugh, to realize how valuable time is, and then that brings us back to do the right thing. It's an easy way to remember. I've, I've given this speech to hundreds of educational groups, um, like for back-to-school uh, uh, like a back-to-school kickoff for teachers and educators to kind of get them fired up and motivated about a new school year, or I'll go in the middle of the year, you know, after the, the Christmas break to kind of get them re-motivated about finishing out the year. And many educators have come up to me afterwards and said, may I have this handout, this do-re-mi thing, and may I please put that up in my classroom so that my students can see these are the these are the rules, if you will, or the principles that we're going to live by in my classroom. Mm-hmm. And that that has really been a tremendous blessing and an honor to me when someone comes up and says, oh, I, I want that. You know, I want to put that on my refrigerator door. I want to put this in my classroom. Or I want to put this where I can see this every day. Oh, I love it. And I want to put it on my refrigerator door, too, so I can see it every day. Because it is really <laughs> something that, you know, it's so easy to remind you of doing the right thing and laugh and respect time because it's valuable. And then always, I love how it ends and begins with the same thing. Do the right thing. You know, in any circumstance, whatever you're going through, always remember, do the right thing. Not the thing that's easiest to do, 
not the thing that will make you feel better inside, but do what is right. And because I'm Christian, my my book, the Bible, tells me what is right. So it's not my um, rule of what is right. It's what God has told me is right. So that's the right thing I'm talking about to you. Not something Absolutely. that sometimes as humans want to say, that was right because I'm right, you know. So <laughs> I, yes. I, I love I will be using that, and I will give you credit for it, LaDonna, because I, you know, I'm a speaker too. And uh, one day, you know, I get to do a lot through the radio show and, and especially my TV talk show and go to the red carpets and interview all the celebrities. But I really love connecting and talking to people. You know, I really love, and, and our, we have so many um, things in common because you love to inspire others. I love to inspire other people and to make them laugh. I really don't sing really, really well, but sometimes I'll break out into a song and it's more humorous than anything that touches the soul. <laughs> but I didn't want to but, see, but but that's the whole point. I mean, and when I when people want me to sign the book, I always sign it to them or to whomever they ask, you know, to Loretta, and I'll say, sing your song. Well, sing your song, whatever that means to you. That means you are an incredible radio and television host. I mean, you are incredible at what you do. You're you're so warm and, and easygoing and easy to talk to. And, I mean, you just have a, a gift and a talent in that arena. So that's your song, if you will. For, for someone else, I mean, it's teaching. My daughter is a teacher. Uh, my son-in-law is a coach. My my son is is in sales. My daughter-in-law is in real estate. You know, my husband's a musician and an administrator at a church. You ask me to be an administrator at church? Oh my goodness, I'd get that so messed up. You know, I I'd, I'd have the contributions all messed up. That's not that's not my forte. But we yeah. do. My my the emphasis of this book is that, you know, the Bible tells us we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I believe that God has put within every single human being a uniqueness, a giftedness, a talent, uh, a spirit, uh, just a thing uh, that, that, you know, I I just put the word thing in there for you fill in the blank is what I'm trying to say, that Mm -hmm. they possess that that they can do. I mean, I have a, an aunt who passed away recently, at 90 years old, and she was an amazing artist. I mean, she could she had a little um, ceramics um, a studio out behind her house in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and I mean, she would fire that thing up. And I, I'm looking here on my bookcase today at, at some of the beautiful pieces of pottery that she made. And I just think, man, what an incredible talent this lady had. You put clay in my hands? <laughs> Forget <laughs> it. I'm, no, I have no idea how to do that. You know, But this lady had a gifting in that area, and it's just her gift is different than my gift. You know what? She might not have been a very good singer. You know, I I can sing, but I can't make the clay pot that she made. It's you know on my on my mantle here today that I have the mm-hmm. joy of looking at and remembering what a, what a dear lady she is. So we all have uh, these talents, and we need to to be aware of those. And hopefully, the book uh, this book helps people realize that whatever their uniqueness is, it doesn't have to be something that that is on the world stage. It's just who they are as a human being right. every day and how right. they contribute to those around them with, with an encouraging word, with a smile, with a laugh, with a 
whatever that is, you fill in the blank. But everybody has that special uniqueness put in them by the Almighty and that we need to not be afraid to use that. And not that I was wrong when I was singing with my brothers. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, frame it that way. It just wasn't God's best for me. The cold country music thing, uh, scene was their dream. It wasn't right. my dream. And I want people to not be afraid to embrace who they are and live God's best for them and what God can do through them and, and help their dreams to come true and other people's in the process. I love it. And I love how you massage that by telling people, you know, that was good. That was really good. It was, it's, it's my brother's, but... Um, you probably—I don't know if you ever think—you wouldn't—you wouldn't have found yourself number one like you have found yourself now and realized God's um, passion and talents that He's given you outside of your brothers had you not stepped out on faith, and that was a huge step out on faith. I got to tell you. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but, but it was, it was, and I—and thank you for saying that because you realized it for what it was. Tim and I were barely twenty years old when we made that decision. And and I I will tell you, we made that decision very cautiously with a lot of prayer and with a lot of wise counsel. We did not make that decision just, you know, one day we came to this conclusion, oh, gee, we don't think this is what we're supposed to do. It was a process that we sought out people who were much wiser than we were because we realized this this was going to change things going forward. And uh, and this it, it, you know and and for a while for a year or so it was a real um, touchy subject in the family it was it was you know everybody was just disappointed because my brother's dream like I said was always for me to be a part of the group and then all of a sudden when that was no longer the dream everybody had to uh, had to kind of regroup and they weren't expecting that but had we not done that then you know we we would not be where we are today. And, I, of course, I use illustrations. You look back, look at, you know, 1955, a December day, when a lady stepped up under a city bus in Montgomery, Alabama. And we all know her today as Rosa Parks. You know, she made a decision on that day in 1955 to not give up her seat on that bus to a white passenger. And the rest is history. But listen to this, Loretta. Hear this. That was 1955. Okay, and she's been called the mother of the, of the civil rights movement. Lyndon Johnson didn't sign the Civil Rights Act into law until 1964. Wow. Isn't, isn't that amazing when you think about how one decision, as well as many other things that began to happen at that time, that, mm-hmm. that caused that revolution that is still changing the world for the better today. But 1955, 1964, you know, a decision that a lady made on, the, on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama, and then... You know, nine years later, it finally, you know, what should have been law all along finally finally becomes law. And just, you know, you just, I can just give you illustration after illustration after illustration. I know, illustration. and, and that, I do that. Good and I do that in the book. I can't I mean, make a difference. Yeah. Yes, and, and that, that good. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, just, just having the courage. I mean, what kind of courage did it take that lady, did it take Rosa Parks to make that stand, you know, to take that stand? Yeah, I mean, what kind of courage did that take? And there have always been trailblazers. You know, I, I just think now, you know, I have not seen the movie, but, of course, I've seen the uh, the previews for it on, on television. I can't wait to go see Lincoln. 
And and I yeah. think you know, how how many incredible incredibly difficult decisions was this great president of our of our country uh, you know confronted with. And had he not made the right decisions, where would we be today and where would our country be today? And so, you know, there have been trailblazers all along the way. And But to that degree, we are all trailblazers in our own lives as we make good decisions. Uh, and that, that is foundational, I believe, to everything else. With, with God's guidance, you know, we can we can make the right right choices. Right. And and one thing to just reflect and to um add on to what you just said about Rosa Parks and um President Lincoln, they made those decisions consciously about what was good for them at the time. It wasn't to start a movement, it wasn't to, you know, impact the country, but those one decisions and then your decision was what was good for you at the time and look at the impact that it's had on thousands and thousands of people. So when people say, Well, I my you know, and I hate it when people start comparing gifts. Because obviously, and these are Christians that do this, and obviously you don't know the full word because you stated earlier we are wonderfully and uniquely made. Each of us, not because we're out front, are our gifts more important or more valuable than somebody else's gift because God talks in his word about the body of Christ, each of us being a member, and it takes all of us working together to fulfill the mission, the great commission. So just like your toe is very critical to your walking on your foot, it's a small, your smallest toe is even as critical as the big toe because if something happens to the little toe, it's going to impact the way you walk. So you may have a gift, um, like your aunt who has the pottery gift, and you have the gift of singing and speaking, and I have the gift of speaking and inspiring. And somebody else may have a gift of administration like your husband. But if you took us and put us in administration over a church, they probably have to start meeting on sun on Wednesdays instead of Sunday because I would have it totally messed <laughs> up. So I want people to understand that <laughs> I know it's right. that every it's right. gift is very, very important. And my pastor, um, Craig Strickland, he he told us this. This is what happens when you two things happen when you compare gifts. You either become prideful or you become um sad. Because you're going to oh, think your gift yes. is better than somebody else's, or you're going to think that your gift is not as good as somebody else's. So if you think or your gift is better a, than he, somebody he else's. Is, he is a very wise man. That's yes. so profound. That is, yes. That's a good so word. Never, never compare gifts because they're all uniquely and equally important in the body of Christ. So even if you can sweep a floor better than anybody, and Martin Luther King said it best, I'm going to be the best street sweeper there is. And if yes. my gift is, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to be the best at whatever it is because that's how much I love God for making me. Absolutely. And I, well, well, and, and a, a wonderful illustration that's very very close to my heart. My My dad, my dad is 85 years old today. He had only an eighth grade education uh, mm-hmm. up until uh, 11 years ago. And at the age of 74, 11 years ago, he earned his GED, which I think is is amazing. But my dad had only an eighth grade education because uh, when he was a little boy at 13 years old, his mother died from tuberculosis. His father had Parkinson's disease. He had an older sister and a younger sister, and my dad was the only able-bodied male in his family. So he started picking cotton in East Texas. He quit school and started picking cotton because somebody had to, you know, put beans and taters on the table. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. (laughs) My dad never complained about it. He just did what he needed to do. And all of his life, he's worked very, very hard, went back, you know, got his GED at 74 years old, which I think is remarkable. And to this day, I credit my dad for teaching me 
uh, and for teaching all of uh, the three, my three brothers and myself, our work ethic. He, you know, he may not have a Ph.D., but that man, he was uh, worked in the oil fields of West Texas for years, and he can drill a hole in the earth upside down, <laughs> sideways, diagonally, crisscross with his, you know, hands tied behind his back and blindfolded. I mean, this man, he can take apart a machine and put it back together, you know, and I just, I just think, wow! I don't have to look any further than within my own family to my own father to see how mm-hmm. he did not allow his lack of education because he was forced to go to work. He didn't have any choice mm-hmm. in the matter. If they were going to eat, he had to go pick cotton, you know. And I just have such incredible respect for you know a 13 year old child. I have a 12 year old grandson. And I think you know, you know, in a year from now, would, would my grandson even have a clue about how to do? You know, it was a different day, it was a different time. But at 13 yeah. years old, my dad took on the responsibility for the family, for his family, and never complained about it. Just did it because you know what? It was the right thing to do. And he made that decision. And boy, I, I mean, I don't have to look any further than that than, than to see an incredible example of, of doing the right thing and working hard. And you know, a job well done is something to be proud of. No matter, no matter what that job if it, is, it, if it's drilling a hole, if it's digging a ditch, if it's driving a cab, if it's, or if it's being a you know PhD in some at Harvard or somewhere, you know, whatever it is that we do, uh, we do. And the Bible tells us whatever you do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. You know, so Amen. that's that's the essence of life right there. Amen. I love it again. Another. Um, Commonality that we have, my father too. He had, to, I think he was about in the sixth grade when he, my grandfather became very, very ill um, and could not work, and he had like six other brothers and sisters, and he took care of the family. He didn't um, go back to school, but he became very successful as an entrepreneur and raised us um, as middle class citizens, but with a sixth grade education. So when I hear wow. people make excuses and, and they can't do this or you know somebody has their foot on somebody's neck and because of the color of their skin, I just say, ha. Huh? Yeah, right. You know, that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> here he is, black, African American, or whatever, you know. He did this. I mean, I'm living in a house that my parents bought many, many years ago in a very, very nice neighborhood so that I can do my TV talk show. My dad had no idea what his sacrifice um, as, a, as a teenager would lead to for his own daughter. So, and then with me being able to, you know, reach thousands and thousands of people with a message of encouragement and hope and of God's love based on what a father did unselfishly. Oh, that's beautiful. You know. well, and, and we need we need more, more of that kind of thinking, I think, in our society today. We need more yeah. of that kind of philosophy. And I can watch you this. Absolutely. If my phone hangs up, please continue to talk. Yeah, we do. And, and there are so many. If we just look, you can find it. Just like you look for things to be negative about and to make somebody feel inferior or to cut down a whole race of people or democratic process of people, then, you know, you, there's more similarity. So, and at the end of the day, guess what? We still hope to wake up in the morning and get another chance. We're not trying to leave this earth because of those um, difficulties. So my thing is just, you know, understand people as people, not based on anything else, that we're all God's children. He created us all. And by George, we got to find a way to make this thing work on this side of heaven. 
<laughs> That'll preach, girl. <laughs> I did not mean to go there, but I'm telling you, your story is a story that just brings out the best in everybody, and it's, it's in all of us. It's in all of us. And my prayer is always, well, down the Lord God, let me see what you see in that person. And even to take it a step even further, let me see what you see in me. Not all of it, because I don't want to become braggadocious, because I give God all the glory for everything, big and small. But I just want to see, so I'll know I can go on and that I can do this thing, because it's huge that he, you know, the call that he's on our lives to be out in front of people, you know, like being in the fishbowl. <laughs> you better yes. have some Jesus. Okay, so now let's talk more about your book. Because the song, huh? Okay, my phone is just really, technology is not really working in my favor today, but it's going to start at this moment. It's got to start. Okay, say what you said again, um, LaDonna, I'm sorry. We talk about and our gifts and talents that we have. People are always coming up to me and saying, oh, don't you get scared or don't you get butterflies or Aren't you just, I mean, are your palms sweaty before you walk out, you know, into a crowd of, you know, 2,000 people to speak? And I'm like, well, not really. I, I'm excited. I'm ready to do it. It's like, I mean, the microphone, take it out there and do what I do. But that's that's what I do. But don't sit me, you know, don't put me, like I said, lack of a better description, you know, don't put me in an accountant's office and tell me to do this tax return. <laughs> that, that would make me nervous. That would now I'd get sweaty palms and my you know, I would probably, you know, uh have a very violent reaction to that. That's that's why I have an accountant. That's why I have a somebody that does that for me. Because that's not what I know how to do. But I don't ask my my friend and financial planner and accountant to go you know, do you? He doesn't get on stage and sing and speak in front of people as well. So, it's just it's it's just what uh, you know. It doesn't make me any better than anybody else. I'm, I just have a different calling, and we you have a calling than uh, than the next person. You know, I there's a lady who, and her husband who live um, one. There's one house between our house and their house. We live on a cul-de-sac, and her husband. Has multiple sclerosis. He is the most precious man. He was an engineer in his um, in his career and was stricken with multiple sclerosis about 15 to 20 years ago. And we met them when we moved out here. And you, he's he has um, gotten worse. You can barely understand what he has to say. But I still you know do my best to make a point to go over there or, or when I see him out in his wheelchair or out in the golf cart or something like that to stop and have a conversation with him, even though I can't really understand everything that he's saying. I just want Carl to know that I want to communicate with him and that I think he's a wonderful person and he is a a wonderful human being he just he just has a sweet spirit about him, but what really just ministers to me is his wife and the way that she takes care of this man. Mm. And she doesn't, you know, nobody, she's not going to get, she's not going to get on television for it. Not with, She's not going to get an Academy Award for it. She's not going to get a Medal of Honor for it. You know, she's not going to get invited to the White House because she does this. She just day in and day out takes care of this man. 
you know, and I just see that and I think, oh, my goodness, Lord, I, sometimes I think it's hard to go to the airport and get on an airplane and I get upset when the flight's delayed. You know, or I get upset when I don't get the first class upgrade, or I get upset when you fill in the blank. And then I think of this precious woman who takes care of her husband, and I've never heard a complaint. Never have I ever heard this woman say an ill word, or, gee, I'm so sick of this, or, boy, I'm just really tired of this, or I just wish somebody else would come in and do this for me. Never. You never see her, but what? Hi, LaDonna, how are you? Have, you know, she's just having a great day, she's got a great attitude. And wow, they, these are the unsung heroes in in my life that I you know I don't have to look any further than across the street or or down the street and see people in everyday life who are uh, just uh, they're singing their song. They're just singing it in a different way than I sing mine. But it's every bit as powerful and every bit as important, and um, and contributes so much to this world. Wow, and I bet she never knows that um, not only is she not taking, she's taking care of her husband because she loves him and that's what love does, um, but the impact that she's made on her neighbors and how you are um, telling this story and sharing this story about her. So it's better than an Academy Award because those things get forgotten after a while. But the impact that she's made in your life and the lives of other people who are watching her as closely, it's long-lasting. It lasts as long as you'll live here on this earth, so that's even better. Um, Absolutely, and and I, I did have the opportunity, uh, I spoke a, a couple, three years ago, I spoke here uh, locally uh, to a women's group, and my mom wanted to go, and uh, another lady down the street wanted to go, and, and I invited Carol to go, and I actually publicly, uh, just kind of off the cuff, uh, mentioned Aww. that, and and about what, what she does with her husband, and afterwards, you know, she said, how much that meant to her that, you know, she doesn't do it because she wants public acclaim for it, but she just does it because, like I said, foundationally, it's the right thing to do. She loves her husband, Mm -hmm. of course, and she just does it tirelessly. And, of course, she gets... Of course, she gets frustrated. Of course, she gets tired. Of course, she gets weary. We we all do, but she she just does it from her heart and with such a joyful spirit. It is an incredible testimony to me on a daily basis. So there are people all over this world singing their song, Loretta, and that's that's my that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. You know, everybody has their song to sing. Sing it. Don't be afraid to make a decision, even though it might feel like, ooh, I'm not sure this is my family is really going to like it if I do this. If you feel like this is what you're supposed to do and what God is telling you to do, to step out in faith and do something, don't be afraid to go to go do that, because I would be in a completely different place today had I not made that decision so many years ago. And thank God for giving us the courage and the wisdom, uh, you know, beyond our years to make that decision. Well, Donna, I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm having technical problems on this side. My apologies. No worries. It it happens. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was like, I hope she kept talking. She knows the show must go on. She's a speaker and a performer, so she knows to keep talking. <laughs> you won't get flustered. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I have so enjoyed this conversation. I, I am here just have, for having um, shared this conversation with you as a host and as a woman who is, you know, just out here on the battlefield trying to make a difference. Um, for the kingdom, so I really admire what you're doing on a, a very spiritual and personal level. And words just can't tell you how uh, well awesome this is to have this conversation with you today. And I know because I've been seeing some Facebook messages about people enjoying our conversation. So I just want to thank you. Just all of that to say, two little words. Thank you. Well, <laughs> we have my, about three my, minutes in the show. Well, no, my one pleasure. Minute. My my pleasure, and and. Uh, just if I can just get this before we have to say goodbye, my website's very simple, LaDonnaGatlin.com. The book is available there. Uh, it's available on Amazon. If you go to my website and ask me, you know, order it that way and you want me to sign it to someone as a, as a Christmas gift, I'll be happy to do that. We'll get that out in the mail to you as soon as possible. And I just... Uh, uh, pray that everyone has a wonderful, blessed Christmas season, and especially uh, you, sweet lady. Thank you for this opportunity to just to sing my song uh, to your listening audience. I really appreciate it, and keep up the great work that you are doing. Sing your song, girlfriend. <laughs> I'm gonna keep singing this song, even if it doesn't sound musically sometimes. But I promise you, until God calls me home, I'm definitely gonna sing the song. Everybody, um, I just want to thank um, LaDonna for being here because LaDonna believes we all have a song to sing, something that sets us apart as special, worthy, and unique to be our absolute best. We must find our own voice, she says. That's the message of the song in you, finding your voice, redefining your life, and encouraging um, you can do it, guide by LaDonna Gatlin. She's a member of the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame. She's inspired hundreds of thousands of people over the past decade through her wisdom, humor, and song. And then the song in you, Gatlin takes readers down an inspirational path to uncovering their own potential, purpose, and passion. And that is my dear friends who listen to this show weekly and daily is what I did for you is that you discover your passion, your purpose, and that you give it all that you got because God in you will make sure he gives it all that he has and that's more than enough. Until Tuesday, no, tomorrow my special guest is Marguerite Fair. She's a film writer, a filmmaker, director, and writer, a producer of your um, late mother. We'll talk to her tomorrow. It's all about inspiring you to be your best. Until next time on Loretta McNary Live, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.